Welcome to Maestros on Air, presented by the Space Coast Symphony Orchestra. Maestros on Air is a discussion of the music, concerts, culture, and personalities of the Space Coast Symphony Orchestra. On the show, you'll hear from Symphony Pass President and overall fine American, Eric Lee. SESO Director of Communications, Bill Trudeau. And me, Jeremy Hickman, your host and president of the Symphony Board of Directors. Sometimes in the studio, we're even joined by the maestro himself, Aaron Collins. We're glad you're listening, so let's get going and find out what happens on this episode of Maestros on Air. Good morning. No, it's good. Whoa, 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 whoa. That was outstanding. No, it's It's not even morning. What are you talking about? It's 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 a Saturday afternoon. But I've had two cups of coffee. No, it's top of the morning. (laughs) Hey, I like it. I like it. Let's go with it. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning, Good morning. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Welcome to beautiful downtown Rockledge. You can't see it, but we are we're clinking each other's coffee cups. We're all hopped up on coffee and yes. we've had four cups. It's been about it's been uh it's it was October when we last got together here in the bunker. And what do you know? It's December. We skipped the month of November, too much Thanksgiving. We fell November asleep. November is a busy month. Uh but uh December is pretty exciting. Uh, we've already had concerts, we've got a couple more. Uh but uh we are here today to talk about a couple of upcoming things uh, in just a minute. We've got an interview uh, that I actually did just because it was kind of an impromptu situation. We've got a concert coming up in January, uh, Broadway. Uh, we added a matinee on Saturday morning in Melbourne. We'll have two performances in Melbourne, one performance in Vero Beach. But uh, uh, just last week, we had an opportunity. All of the singers... From the performances, were in the offices at uh, the Space Coast Symphony Orchestra. Uh, they were doing some planning and some other things with Aaron Collins. I took the opportunity to, uh, I didn't even call you guys, sorry, but uh, I grabbed the. That's okay. That's okay. I grabbed a few microphones and a recorder and went up to the offices and set them down. And uh, we just uh, we hit record and we chatted for a while. And fascinating conversation. Uh, we'll get to that in a minute. Uh, but let's talk about uh, what we've done recently. Oh, no. Before we even get there, I'm going to look at you and say, Bill, nice to see you. You've been a little under the weather. You don't have to give details, but I know uh, you and I have not seen each other in probably a month. You're back today. You look good. Good thank to see you. you. Thank you. I feel good. I feel um, energized. And I Keurig is my best friend. Dr. K? Yes, yes. Dr. K. Used to be Mr. Coffee years ago, but I really didn't drink that much coffee back then. But the Keurig, yes, yes. Very good. Good. You look good. It's not... Thank you. You're a fine American. You are. It's not... um, uh, How do I say? It's not my best friend, but it's my best... It's it, it's a steady companion. Yes, a steady companion. I couldn't have said it better, Jeremy. You know, you know, if, if the name wasn't already t- taken, we'd call this show Coffee Talk. <laughs> <clears throat> yes, Coffee Talk. Uh, right, line two, line two. You're on the air. 
Yes, uh, Mr. Trudeau, I had some problems waking up yesterday morning, and when I went downstairs, there was this pot of dark java. I poured some in the cup, and when I drank it, what do you know? It woke me up. I'm I'm having a great day. Well, and it sounds like you have discovered Mr. Keurig. See what I did there? I actually fused Mr. Coffee and Keurig together. Mr. Keurig. They could be our. I'm calling uh, it Mr. Keurig. They could be our corporate sponsor. You know, I, 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 I. It seems like every show I make some statement about how we've gone off the rails or we've taken a right turn, but this truly is. We're we're in territory we've never been in before. So we're off the rails. We and this to, program we'll find to our you way by back, Jeremy. Keurig coffee. We'll find our Feeling way back, Jeremy. Just follow Eric. Just follow Eric. Keurig coffee. Yes, Keurig Speak, coffee. Speaking of <laughs> Eric Lee. Good afternoon. Nice to see you. Oh, I'm sorry. Good, good morning. morning. Good nice morning, to see Eric. You. Yes, a clink. It's a pleasure. <laughs> it's kind of hard to clink a styrofoam. It uh, is. I know, but it's, it's the silent. thought that counts. It's the mental image. It's very silent. Yeah, yeah. So I, I, I got to say, uh, having uh, having you retired from being uh, the president of the board of directors, uh, you look rested and stress-free. I notice you've got a, a Christmas elf hat on. Please, for the love of God, do not... Start that. I can't take. start it. You yeah, sure? For those of you that aren't here and don't see a picture, it, uh, it, it. Uh, there's some sort of battery power inside. It lights up and moves around and plays music. He almost uh, has to start it now. He so. almost has to. Right. I, don't, I don't think so. No, please don't. <laughs> <laughs> we are Santa's elves. He sings we along with it. Can you believe that? He's singing with it. And there's no way to stop it. We just got to ride it out. Right. And there's lights and everything. I'm surprised there's not lasers shooting out of it. It's kind of like a nuclear explosion. Once it starts, you can't stop yeah, it. Yeah, there's no stopping this thing. Well, you singing with it's what kills me. Except I don't know all the lyrics, though. In our pre-show meeting, I was trying to look up the lyrics, but I was unsuccessful. <laughs> Jeremy, the look on your face. There's a look on Jeremy's face right now. I just. It, well, it, and also something in the pit of my stomach. I, I, no. Uh, no. It's okay. So I, I'm going to call that wonderful and it's ask wonderful. you that you please not uh, put your finger on that button again for the okay. rest of the show. It's wonderful. All right. I, I won't do that. It's fantastic. It is. It's but somehow, it is a great. Wait, a great wait, 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 wait. I didn't know. I don't know if you did that on purpose, but you just reminded me of something. I did? Yes. Okay. Here we are. It's December 2018. Our very first episode of this show was in December of 2014, and the title of the show was It's Fantastic. Are you serious? I am serious. You know what this is? Honest to God, I did not remember that. <laughs> this is synchronicity. I'm a big, be- not a believer, but it's a real thing. That's gr- okay. So go ahead. No. So well, <laughs> I wasn't planning to discuss it, but hey, guys, guess what? This is our fourth year anniversary show. It's amazing. Isn't it's hard. It? It's hard to believe. It is four actually. years. We, we weren't quite sure if we were going to make four episodes, and but here we are. We made four years. It's incredible, really. That's incredible. How many listeners? Who knows? Countless. Oh, oh does, countless. dozens. Yeah, I mean, dozens. yeah, yeah. Does, dozens of it's listeners. Bigger than every all time. Of us. Baker's dozen. 
We have a baker's dozen listening. Well, yeah, we did have a baker's dozen listening at the time. In fact, if if you recall, uh, the reason that we even have this name of the show Maestros on Air is because at the time, the symphony had a cafe that was opened in the downtown Coco Main Library. We did. And it was called Maestro's Cafe. It was? You know this. this was, what are you talking, it was your idea. <laughs> I've been away a while. I've been away. Uh, but yes, yeah, so so the the whole the whole reason for the name of this show is that we were doing it in Maestros, and we were going to do a show that was in quotation marks on the air. So it was yeah. a Maestros Cafe on the air, and but that we would also get the Maestro himself. Aaron Collins to come over and join us, which happened on occasion. Which it it and it still does. It still four does years later on occasion. This is great. And so yeah, so for those of you that uh, want to go uh, hit, jump in the way back machine, <laughs> you can go uh, the same place you found this p- episode. Uh, scroll all the way down to the bottom of the page and keep scrolling, and you'll find episode one. Uh, and you know, like every episode, uh, of every first episode of every podcast, uh, we, we, we struggle for a while to, to find our voice, uh, and uh, we're still struggling four years later, uh, but at least, uh, we have better equipment now. You so. know what? And, and not only that, I, I like, I enjoy struggling with you guys. You know, if I, if I had to be with two guys to struggle with, you guys are it. You the are. The struggle are. is real. The struggle is real. <laughs> We're doing it. We're doing a fist a, bump. We're doing fist a fist bump. bump. There we go. Fist bumps all around. Uh, all, always plays well real. on radio. Fist bump. <laughs> right. So much for the trip down memory lane. It was actually not my intention to bring up the anniversary. I was going to save a big celebration for the fifth year anniversary, which is, I guess, if, I'm, if my math is correct, a year from now. Right. In uh, December 2019. Yeah, exactly right. Uh, however, since we've done that... What? I mean, sorry, you're trying to get our attention? No, no, I'm just creating a sign. Okay, we'll we'll, we'll save, keep that in reserve, and bring that out when you need to. Uh, but if we'd like to talk about the more recent history, we've had a couple of really solid concerts since the last show, and the first one I'd like to talk about is the jazz performance. Yeah, that was a really uh, fun concert. I'm obviously a symphony fan. I love classical music. I love interesting new things that come out. But I've not been shy to say that really the jazz concerts are my favorite concerts. And of all the jazz concerts we've done, I'm not stretching to say it was my favorite. It, it I will say it was a little more progressive, a little uh, newer, a little more funk if we can use that as a little, as, more, funk. A little like more funk as it relates to a jazz concert, but it it brought the house down. Oh yeah, I think it was the best that band ever sounded. I think Talk about it a was wor- really good. World class musicians. I mean, literally musicians that tour the world. Right. World class musicians, and uh, Frank Wozo, of course, has uh, played concerts with us before and organized concerts with us before and led concerts right. before. But uh, his first official concert as director of the Space Coast Jazz Orchestra, it was a great show. Right. I wholeheartedly agree. I try to make it to most of the symphony concerts, but the one after the jazz concert, I did not make it to the Lord of the Rings. But Eric, you were there. 
Yes, I was there. You performed. I was putting out a lot of wattage on that concert. <laughs> let really? me tell you. Oh. Tuba blast. We, we plugged the... Oh, oh! now we're going back in the Wayback Machine. Why are you reminding me of these things? You know, this this was this was from R&D, was working on something, and they never brought the product to market. We've got to go revisit that. Not yet. Not it's yet. not brought to market yet. I've got yet. to check with the guys in R&D. I mean, surely they're almost done with tuba blast i hope so because i'm looking forward to it i like the sound of it i would love to see what it tastes like you know it's interesting <laughs> we usually go off the rails and then we try to correct it it's like the guardrails are off we're not even trying to get back on track at this point. this reminds me and this is perfect because we're in the holiday season this reminds me of the polar express you know how the train just goes crazy it goes off the rails it's like sliding across the the ice and it's flying in the air it does the train is off the track it's way off the, that's this show i i never saw the polar express because of the uncanny valley really you know what the uncanny valley is what is that the uncanny valley talks about animation and how as a as a as a human brain you can look at Say the Flintstones is a cartoon, yeah, and you see Fred Flintstone, and you can interpret that's a person there. Yes, yes, and you're I'm comfortable. Thinking... It doesn't actually look actually like a photograph. You could tell it's an animation. Yes, yes, I'm following you. But animations, it's better and better and, and better. better, and then you get to a certain point where the animation looks almost like a real person. Yes. So the Tom yes. Hanks character in the Polar Express. It looks like Tom Hanks. It does. But you can just tell enough that it's animation. There's something in the eyes that's a little creepy or uncanny about uncanny. it. And so that, that uncanny, almost lifelike, but not quite. But not life. quite. It's there, missing there, there, something. There's this yeah. little niche in there. It's missing the that, very uh, essence yeah, of life I itself. I, I haven't, but look it up. I haven't. I haven't looked it up in years. But uh, I know it's out on the internet somewhere. Talk about the uncanny valley and uncanny. I, when valley. I saw, I saw uh, my children were watching it when that first came out. As you know, all children have uh, cartoons and videos and Christmas specials that play on DVD, and I saw it. I watched it for about three minutes. I thought, this thing is weird. It and was I weird. I watching it. I haven't been the same since. Oh, my God. I know this show's not about the movie Polar Express, but I was watching it, and a bolt of lightning struck. And I haven't been the same since, Jeremy. God love you. God love this show. That's it. That's all I'm going to say. All right. Well, there you have it, then. So why don't we uh, cut to our uh, clip from the recent jazz concert? Thinking we should um, do the uh, encore. It's a Maynard Ferguson classic, mm. Fire Shaker. Fire Shaker, yes.
as I said a minute ago, I had recently a chance to interview four singers uh, who are going to be performing at the upcoming Broadway set of shows uh, the first weekend in January. And it would have been nice had you guys been able to make it out, but this was uh, very impromptu. I had a limited uh, window of opportunity on, I want to say, a Thursday evening last week. Uh, but I uh, went up and um, we, we'll introduce them all individually doing the interview and get a chance to talk about their background. Oh, that's great. But That's great. Uh, for uh, for fans of the show and fans of the symphony, uh, you'll recognize uh, m- most of the names. Marianne Kruger. I like Marianne Kruger. Marianne Kruger has uh, performed with us a number of times. Uh, it's uh, operatic mm-hmm. uh, singing. Uh, and in fact, interestingly enough, during this interview, I bring up the fact that I'm used to hearing her sing opera, but yet this is a Broadway concert. So how does she deconflict that or have different kinds of performances? Yes. And in fact, yes. you know, all all four of the singers address that as part of the interview. Uh, do you know? Do you know what I refer to her as? I have to tell you, a delightful breath of fresh air. <laughs> yes. Marianne yep. Kruger yep. is a delightful breath of fresh yeah. air. Okay, go ahead. Uh, and well, she's been on the show before. She, she in as fact, well. uh, in fact, all the way back to year one, uh, uh, Aaron Collins had interviewed her on the show. Yeah. Uh, so uh, the 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 show the, the show's still up on the internet. So if you wanted to go back and listen to that, certainly you could. In addition to Marianne Kruger, two other singers have had multiple performances with us before, Sean Jessamin and Andrew Lejeune. And then the, a fourth singer, this is actually her first time performing with Space Coast Symphony. In fact, she she just moved to the Space Coast earlier this year. Her name is Amy Cofield. Uh, so uh, instead of uh, individual interviews, I actually sat down at one big table with all of them and we had a, a nice group conversation. So let's go ahead and listen in. one random evening in December at the River House, and we have amassed, for purposes of preparation of the January concert, four singers uh, for our series of concerts, Broadway, One Singular Sensation, uh, which is going to be taking place January 5th and 6th. And interestingly enough, uh, we have two sopranos and two baritones. So to get started, I'll just say welcome to each of you. Uh, I've talked to a couple of you before, a couple of you I have not. Uh, but why don't we just start out by going around the horn and uh, introduce uh, each other. I'll actually uh, go to you first, Marianne, because uh, I've probably spoken the most with you, and you've got uh, perhaps the longest history uh, with the symphony, Marianne Kruger. Oh, possibly, yes. I'm Marianne Kruger. Uh, let me see. My first performance with the symphony was the Messiah sing-along of 2015, I think. 
And for those keeping score at home, uh, <laughs> I actually did not participate, but this this podcast has been going along for around four years now, and you were actually recorded yes. uh, an, an interview. I didn't. I, I was not the person interviewing you. I want to say Aaron interviewed he you did. in his office. He did. Uh, but I do remember the interview because I had to uh, edit it and insert it into the show. Uh, and then actually, I'm trying to think, was it uh, maybe two years ago when we did the season announcement uh, here at the River House out in the yard, in the front yard, I went around and got some reactions from people. And so, uh, you know, I think I got, you know, a well, minute yeah. or two of you talking about your your reactions to the, the new season announced. Well, I was going to sing the uh, four last songs that season. And so I did a little plug for the concert, yeah. <laughs> exactly right. So you are the veteran. You've been, this is your third appearance on the show. Uh, on this podcast, yes, I on suppose I am. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but for, uh, but uh, the maiden voyage for each of the other three. So uh, sitting next to you, Amy uh, Cofield. Is that, did I say that correctly, by the way? You did. It's Amy Cofield. Uh, and That's most correct. interestingly, you are actually uh, the, the newest to the group. The others who we'll talk to in a minute have actually, uh, all of you, all the three of you have performed with the symphony before. But Amy, this is your first time. And in fact, we just met a little while earlier this evening. We did. And I believe that you said that you actually moved to Florida just about a year ago. Uh, mm -hmm. Stumbled across the symphony, <laughs> got to know Aaron, started showing up, and and what do you know? You have some hidden talent, or that's not so hidden. <laughs> I found you on the. I, no, no, no. Actually, actually, when we not met, so I I went and busily looked you up on the internet. Okay. So you're not hiding under a bushel. <laughs> it's, it's not so hidden. I'm certainly trying um, not to. But, 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 but certainly, we hope to uh, shine a spotlight on you for the first time here with the Space Coast Symphony. Thank so, you. Uh, we'll get back. Uh, we'll get your origin story in just a minute. Uh, but moving uh, around the horn, we'll introduce uh, Sean Jessman. That is correct. Hello. And you've you've actually performed four four concerts yeah, four times. I think. Um, and I think you and Marianne have performed together. No. Okay, so I don't be for you keeping a score at home. That's the first mistake of the evening. No, so, no. I think. Uh, <laughs> I think. Um, Two thousand ten was a. Uh, the first show I did with, with the symphony. I don't remember what it was. It was Rodgers and Hammerstein, I think. Uh, some type of Rodgers and Hammerstein concert. And then in 2013, Broadway from stage to screen. And then last year, whatever that one was called. So whenever they ask me, I say yes. It's maybe <laughs> once a year, once every few years. <laughs> Well, welcome to the show, and uh, welcome back to performing. And it sounds like you might have the the longest tenure. Yeah. Uh, you've been you you've been working. I, I want to make a I wanted to make a correction. I yeah. actually started in 2014, I believe, but that doesn't change anything here. <laughs> well, so you can edit out all of this. Number of performances. If, I would understand if I had been if I did a production and then consecutively over the next umpteen years. But I don't know. I I, I still kind of feel like a newcomer to the Space Coast Symphony just because I've only performed four times. So I don't know. But I think predominantly they do mostly um, orchestral stuff and they don't really need someone like me. So <laughs> since I can't really play, you know, they don't really need acoustic guitar. <laughs> so, Well, you know, it's like uh, any good mechanic has a large toolbox 
and they have those tools that are in the box when they have a special job, they need a special tool. So I'm not suggesting that you're a tool, but no. uh, we'll, we'll, we'll bring you out uh, whenever we need you. How's that? As Sopranos, I think we're constantly sound. We constantly feel like tools. I don't know anything about cars. Uh, this, you know, this, uh, this interview has gone off the rails very quickly here. So, uh, so uh, we'll introduce the fourth person here, Andrew Lejeune. Welcome. Uh, well, I am Andrew Lejeune. And let's see, actually, the first thing I did with the Space Coast wasn't one of their concerts. They came over and were essentially the pit orchestra for the Orlando Light Opera production of Student Prince. And I, w I played Detlef, so I was in that production. But then earlier this year, uh, I sang on the Music of the Night Masquerade Cabaret, which was a joint venture between, again, the Orlando Light Opera and Space Coast Symphony. My apologies, Amy. Uh, actually, when we I, I introduced you before, uh, and before we got to your your origin story, I, I kept going around. I probably should have uh, let you fully explain uh, who are you and what were you before. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, oh, my God, that's a little scary. <laughs> uh, so yes, I'm Amy Cofield, and I am a soprano, and I moved down to Brevard. Uh, to Melbourne, actually, in January, at the end of January this year. So I haven't been here quite a year. Um, I'm very excited to be singing with Space Coast Symphony. Um, I met Aaron, I think I met him at a, it was a youth, there was a competition he was judging. But I had heard about him prior to that. And we have many colleagues in common, uh, which is the way this world is. It gets smaller and smaller. Um, so, but I moved down here from Roanoke, Virginia, where I was the director of the Apprentice Artist Program for Opera Roanoke, and I sang a lot of roles there as well, and taught voice, and I'm, I have a voice studio here now, and uh, so that's, that's my day job. Um, <laughs> but I have a passion for the teaching as well as the singing, um, and I'm freelancing and really happy to be here. So interesting that you say you mentioned something uh, that uh, you have a history as a, a voice instructor in opera. And Marianne, I know you as an opera singer, uh, but we're here talking about a Broadway concert. So I think that's very interesting. And in fact, I, I, I'm thinking of uh, the reverse of this situation uh, where... Uh, you know, one of my favorite songs uh, is uh, Nessun Dormer performed by Luciana Pavarotti. But uh, a couple of years ago, very famously, Aretha Franklin, normally a Broadway jazz singer, actually uh, pulled this uh, operetta out and just killed it. Uh, but so I find it interesting to think about that. Here we have some singers who you're used to singing in an operetta style. It, yet you're going to be singing Broadway music. Do you do you prepare differently? Do you physically sing differently? Or is it very natural to switch from one style to the other? That depends on the singer, but we, most of us probably already sing varied repertoire. So uh, that would include opera, you know, classical concert music, and I've sung several uh, theater, music theater roles as well, as I'm sure these have. So being a crossover artist in that respect is very natural, though not everybody does crossover um, as easily, but I think it's, it's, 
it's a natural thing for us. You know, originally music theater kind of grew out of the operatic or operetta repertoire. So I think, you know, in, in you know, years past, it was very common for opera singers to sing the music theater pieces and vice versa. Now we have a lot of the, the more um, belty pop op, pop uh, music theater. That is, a, that is a style difference and requires a different approach to the technique. But I teach all the styles when I, you know, as a voice teacher. Sean, what's your background in terms of uh, different types of musical performance? Um, actually, my earliest was probably Irish folk songs. <laughs> Um, now I started, I was 10 years old. I was a boy soprano and classically trained for 17 years. Um, but honestly, I'm an alternative rock artist. (laughs) So that's pretty much where my heart, my heart has always been like in rock and roll. Uh, so I've been, I've had people call me, uh, an opera singer, which I'm not. I really, I, I get a little nervous when when people call me an opera singer, because I'm, I can do operatic things. Um, I did musical theater for eight years, um, but I, I don't know. I, I've always kind of fit more in a rock and roll, almost, almost avant-garde kind of thing. And I can't really imagine myself um, sticking to one particular style of music. Well, I think you're in good company. I'm, I'm just off the heels of a few weeks ago, I went and saw... Uh, the movie about Queen and Freddie Mercury about Bohemian Rhapsody. Mm-hmm. And it's a dramatization of uh, what really happened. And they actually talked about the artistic process and how mm-hmm. they wanted to mix different styles from rock and roll to opera. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, yeah, I think they pulled it off uh, pretty well. One yeah. of the most famous uh, <laughs> and uh, popular songs of all time. We should all uh, strive to come close to being able to do something like that. In this vein of uh, non sequiturs, uh, I'm saved the best for last, uh, Andrew, as I turn and look. I'm looking at your bio, and I see two very interesting things adjacent. Next to a mention of Orlando Light Opera is mentioned reoccurring role as Elwood in the Blues Brothers. Let's talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> I, I usually say it's, I, I don't do it very often, but it's my most fun job I have. <laughs> yeah. Uh, putting on the black suit and an outdoor stage when it's 95 degrees outside and dancing around like an idiot and playing the harmonica. Is a blast. <laughs> yeah, a black a, a, a black suit in the Florida sunshine. <laughs> yes. I can imagine. I, I, I grew up in Texas, and uh, I spent a lot of time in uh, Texas uh, summer walking around in a, a dark gray suit. So I can appreciate it. You know, uh, hopefully they uh, they dry clean it on occasion. Oh yes, not not a problem there. <laughs> no, I was actually going to chime in too. I'm I'm kind of the same way where I I grew up singing you know a lot of rock and gospel and things like that. Uh, but then in college, I went somewhere that was very classical, so I got a complete classical operatic training. Uh, and I usually like to go back maybe once a year and do a show that's on that light opera side just to kind of remind myself that I have that training. Most of where I use it now is in preparation, vocal preparation for roles that I do. So what I just came off of doing, we just closed a couple of weeks ago up at uh, theater in Jacksonville, was playing uh, Edward Rutledge in 1776. It's a big belty number that he sings toward the end molasses to rum it's not opera but because of the training that i have there i can it's easier to get into that way into that place vocally where i'm not blowing my voice out every night even though i'm not singing in the same style 
So I like singing everything. I mean, I, I love singing. I, I don't tend to, to enjoy constantly singing in foreign languages because I don't actually speak any of them. <laughs> mm-hmm. So so it's rough to learn things by rote. <laughs> but I do enjoy singing in that classical style. I, I enjoy singing rock. I enjoy singing a lot of musical theater, typically like that, you know, that Oklahoma guys and dolls, you know, classic musical theater style. Um, but kind of everything in between, really. No, I, I can appreciate that. And as somebody who... Uh, myself uh, does not have a a, a singing talent. Uh, I really appreciate uh, the the talent and the skill. Those two things work in combination with each other, especially when somebody has the ability to uh, mix uh, and perform in 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 different styles. In fact, uh, my apologies to anybody who's listened to this show. Uh, probably a year or two ago, I, I gave this uh, example. And I'll bring it back out because you know we're talking about singers right now, uh, but I do remember. Uh, yeah, I I, I name drop uh, Pavarotti earlier. I remember back. Uh, I want to say I want to say it was the mid '90s. I was listening to uh, David Frost interviewing Pavarotti, uh, and it was. I mean, I I haven't gone back and looked at looked for that in 20 years. It's probably online somewhere, but it was a wonderful interview at the time. Um, I think it was circa 94 when this interview took place. But he, uh, David Frost was asking him, and, and by the way, I, I want to step back. And before I get to the, the, the line of questioning in that interview, I remember watching uh, the three tenors, both the original one, and then they they got really popular, and then they did another tour, and then they did a second one in Dodger Stadium. So both of those concerts were great. But if you, especially if you look at uh, the the video from the, that Dodger Stadium performance, here you've got three of the the most famous, well regarded opera singers, the three tenors, in fact, uh, you know, and so it's interesting when you look, they were, they were, ta- they were taking turns and you'd get Jose Carreras, he'd get up and you'd hear the music and you would see him ready himself for the performance. Uh, and then when he would start singing, it was, you know, that, that, that German mechanical, excellently delivered uh, technique in a brilliant voice. Uh, and then the next song comes on, and it's Lucia, and uh, it's uh, uh, Placido Domingo. Uh, you know, completely, you know, different language, different style, different uh, preparation as he gets up. But he is still—you could tell the concentration is there. The music's playing. He gets his cue, and he—he—it comes out, and it's lovely, and it's uh, melodic, and it's—but you could tell he's really working for it. And then it's Pavarotti's turn, and. It's like he's not even paying attention. He's kind of flittering. He's kind of bouncing around the stage like he's, you know, at a frat party or something, and the music's coming. And you think, is he even going to sing? He's not paying attention. And all of a sudden, it hits the cue, and he turns, and immediately it just comes out. And uh, while the first two singers were excellent, you can't take anything away from their performance, he had an entirely, in my opinion, my opinion, another level of performance in that it was both powerful and clear and clean and he made it look so effortless. So with that as the background, I go back to this interview where he's talking to David Frost and David Frost said, how do you make it look so effortless? And his answer was, I practice four to six hours a day Every day, just working on my voice, that's in addition to studying of the music and all the other things. So here, you know, 
how did he get so good at, you know, how did he make it look so effortless? He worked at it all day, every day. Uh, and, and I can only imagine if you're going to sing one style, you know, in the afternoon and a completely different style in the evening and something else on the weekend, that's a whole other, you know, uh, uh, practice regimen that you have to get used to. Oh, yeah. Well, and especially because um, in addition to the styles, like I personally have a tendency to take roles that are all different ranges. I mean, I've I've sung bass in a handful of acapella groups, but like actually the last show I did that was out this direction, I did um, played Rodame's and Aida, the the musical, not the opera at Coco Village Playhouse, which is very much like rock tenor. And so like it depends on the role. I'm not really a bass. Elwood's a bass role. So if I go into <laughs> yeah. Universal, I can't warm up in the morning or I won't be able to sing half the notes. <laughs> you know, it's really low in my range. Uh, for so a while there. Half a pack of cigs before you. Oh, go no, in. never touch the things. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but like, you know, it, in those acapella groups, you know, I, I don't warm up. I try to take a nap right before I go to a shift, basically. And I'm basically eating the microphone, you know, so that I can hit all those low notes. But by stark contrast, you know, if I'm trying to hit, you know, B flats and, and B's and a couple of those shows I've done, it's warm up like crazy, but like, you know, 30, 30 minute warm up at least before the show starts. And sometimes like in the show, I just got done doing, I would do a warm up before the show started, but I went about an hour without singing in the middle of the show. And so I do another warm up at intermission to make sure that I'm still as, as clear as I can be up on those high notes. Marianne, actually, I think we, we've talked before about the fact that you have a, a, a fairly broad range how do you how do you go from the from low notes to high notes? Oh, from low notes to high notes. Okay, that, that's something I'm far no, more comfortable no, no, with. No, but, but, that, well, but no, that, that, that's yeah. I, I thought I thought we were going to say from musical to opera. It's like I've never done musicals. Uh, <laughs> no, actually, you, you, you do make an excellent point uh, that uh, that we probably should have closed uh, closed the chapter on that as we we talk to the others about uh, different musical styles. I only know you in the style of opera. Is that is that your that's, focus? That is basically what I have always done. Well, you, um, you do it well. Why, so, thank you. you, know, you know, thank you very you know, much. That, 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 that's one approach is do one thing and do it well, and you certainly do. And, I, it, and in that vein, I was always taught, um, I'm the stodgy mother hen here. Um, <laughs> Somebody's got to be. Right? <laughs> um, to, to always have that full open sound, because that is, at the end of the day, the voice at its most lovely. Um, and it's... Uh, it, it's a religion, yeah, and and it's a religion. It's a religion in, in a kind of ways. And so there, in this musical concert, I will be bringing as much of that full open sound as I can possibly bring. I mean, for example, there's a, we're doing a, a trio in which the character I will be singing is a little girl. It's not going to sound like a little girl. <laughs> out of context, it doesn't need to. And no. out of context, no, it's certainly not. Certainly not. But j just that as an example. Uh, and where were we going with this? Oh, from low notes to high notes. Yes. Actually, that's the same thing. Um, the best way to sing good low notes is to have a good open throat with a good support underneath it, getting your jaw and your tongue out of the way. Um, and the good way to best way to sing good high notes is to have a good open throat with good support underneath it, getting your jaw and your tongue out of the way. It, it, it's really not that complicated, at least to explain. Now, to, doing it is another thing. It takes, as Pavarotti said, lots 
and lots of practice. But the concept is rather simple, and that's basically how I approach everything. Well, if we go back to talking about the uh, three tenors and comparing that to the upcoming concert, you know, they did each sing individual songs, but then they had a number of songs where they all sing together. So uh, I actually have to, I'll have to get you guys to to tell me and fill me in. I, I when I walked in earlier. Uh, you guys are sitting at the table with uh, Aaron Collins and you're going through some of the different musical pieces. Mm-hmm. You're talking about some arrangement, who is going to have which part. Uh, but beyond that, I don't really know the content. So talk to me about some of the songs you plan to sing. And are these are you singing them solo or do you have some works that... Uh, you know, that all of you are going to be performing on. I just don't know. Oh, yeah. We've got ensembles. We've got duets. We've got trios. We've got the whole schmiel. <laughs> Any schlamazel in there? <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll find out now, won't we? <laughs> One thing that I'm curious about, since we talked about uh, your relative backgrounds and the different styles of music, uh, I'm going to ask each of you the same question, which is, What's one of the pieces that's going to be performed that you're going to be performing and that you most appreciate that you're going to have the chance to perform it in public? Well, actually, um, one for me is not – well, there's two songs from the same show, uh, one solo, one duet. And it's not a show that I expect most people will know anything about. Uh, It's not Elwood Blues. It's not. Okay. uh, But it's one of my newer favorites in the last year or so, and that's Bridges of Madison County, uh, Jason Robert Brown. Ah. Um, Like I said earlier, I like doing the the sort of classic Broadway stuff, but I feel like there's a lot being written now that is similar, but also more modern. Or or sometimes it's, it's similar, but fuses into a slightly different style. Uh, and so and this particular happens to be a dream role of mine is, is Robert from Bridges of Madison County. And the way Jason Robert Brown wrote that show, every character actually sings in a different style based on the personality of their character. You have, you know, the, the husband sings in like a really twangy country, you know, things like that. But Robert tends to be more, I would say a fusion of musical theater, like legit musical theater and folk. And so it's actually two of my newest favorite pieces to sing one I'm actually doing as a solo, which is It All Fades Away. It's actually one of the last pieces in the, the show. Um, and also um, Before and After You, One Second a Million Miles, which is um, Amy and I are singing that one. And, and these are both pieces from Bridges from of Madison County. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I saw the movie when it came out, but I, I've not seen the musical. The musical has just an absolutely gorgeous score to it. It does. It's beautiful. And I'm so excited to get to sing this duet because it's a new, the, the Bridges of Madison County is new to me. The music is new and it's absolutely beautiful, beautiful scoring. So I'm happy that we get an opportunity to do that. And it's funny how sometimes you, you, you learn new pieces because you've seen a show or you've done whatever. This one literally came out of uh, sitting next to a friend in an audition going, hey, what are you going to sing? And he went, hey, what are you going to sing? And he said, oh, I'm doing It All Fades Away from Bridges of Madison County. And then I heard him sing and I went, I need to know that one. Yeah. So <laughs> I, I've actually, uh, I did that one in the Music of the Night Cabaret. Uh, I've done it at a couple of ca- other cabarets this year. It's just one of my new favorites. 
Uh, that's great. I mean, certainly, you know, as a, you know, as a journeyman, as a, someone who practices a craft, you know, at a certain level, you, you know, when a job is available, you pick up the job, you, 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 you take the job they give you all the nicer. I assume when you actually get to do something that you enjoy, Oh yes. that you, that you would <laughs> sing by yourself on the weekend. Or, you know, if you had a party and friends came over, this is the one that you'd sing and you're going to get to sing that on stage in January. Agreed. Uh, Sean, I th- yeah. I'm, I'm afraid I, uh, I've left you too alone and quiet at that end of the table. So same question to you. What uh, What's your favorite piece of music that you're going to perform? Oh, I don't know if I have a favorite. Um, I'm going to do The Impossible Dream from Men of La Mancha, uh, which I haven't done for years. I think, uh, I think I was maybe 20, 20 years old the last time I did it for anything. Totally public- six years ago. Yeah, yeah, that, that'd be, you're, you're too kind. Um, uh, there's, oh, uh, here's something people will enjoy. There is going to be a Phantom of the Opera medley, and I'm going to be singing, uh, oh, Music of the Night, I guess, and the title track, Phantom of the Opera, with... <laughs> with Marianne. So, Marianne, same question to you. Um... I know I'm asking you which of your children are, are your favorite. <laughs> you, you love them all. Well, actually, what I like most about the concert is some of the variety, variety of um, uh, theatrical style, as it were. We've got some just wonderful soppy duets. <laughs> well, and, and with Aaron conducting, I mean, he, you know, yeah. certainly we're, we're known for theatrics uh, I mean, yeah. in a very, po- in a positive way. Yes, of course. Yeah, always, so, always in a know, positive so, way. So one of the comments and we always get is... never distasteful in any way whatsoever. You know, the, 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 the Space Coast Symphony definitely has a style yes. uh, that's, uh, in my opinion, uh, fresh uh, and a little, I, one of the, one of the reasons I fell in love with the symphony originally, and I've so a- a- Amy, we've just met, but you know what you, what you haven't heard me say before is, I just started out as a fan. You know, the symphony's been the symphony's been going uh, almost ten years now. I came around, I don't know, five or six years ago. They'd already been going, uh, and I, I just fell in love with the fact that. Uh, it, it, there was both this combination of the known, you know, we'll call it the classical top 40 got played, but then there was also new works. And then there were also that little spin on the thing that you think, you know, but Hey, we're, but instead of that being played with the piano, we're going to play that on a violin or, you know, we're gonna have some in, different instrumentation or, Hey, you normally that's a, you know, a, you know, a man singing that part, but we're going to let a woman sing that part. And so that, that freshness is one of the things that I, uh, I fell in love with, with the symphony. Uh, but Amy, actually to you, as uh, you, you were talking earlier, you know, I was thinking, you know, you, you have come to uh, Florida within the last year. This is your first time performing, but you've got a long career before you ever came to us and that you still are active in other parts of the country. So can you talk about, in addition to you know this concert with the Space Coast Symphony in January, what else have you you know either done very recently or getting ready to do early in the year? Sure. Um... I mean, beyond beyond just you know the Space Coast, right? Though I'm really excited that I'm finally going to sing here. Um, well, so interestingly, the the question you asked about what's our favorite piece, yes, kind of ties in here because um, I 
I'm getting an opportunity to sing How Could I Ever Know from The Secret Garden, also a beautiful work. Um, and I performed the role of Lily some years ago with the Annapolis Chamber Orchestra and Chorale. And in fact, I did several music theater roles with them, including uh, Carousel. And I will be singing If I Loved You with Sean, right? Yes, and yes, we we're, we're going to sing that I together, too. Um, <laughs> so, And I'll be returning to Annapolis uh, in December for uh, Handel's Messiah and for a Bach series concert. Interesting that you mentioned Carousel, because, uh, Sean, I'm looking at your bona fides, and it showed yeah. that you, you, you recently played uh, Billy Bigelow well, in Carousel. Well, recently, 2008... <laughs> uh, that was that was yes, that, uh, yes, but we're on the internet. It's timeless, you know. Is, 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 is this a Thursday? Is uh, it a Sunday morning? Uh, you know, is it is it uh, fall? Is in 2008, it, that's when I actually celebrated my 25th birthday in the middle the middle of that show. Uh, that was at the Cocoa Village Playhouse, uh, and that was the last role I ever played on stage. I think I think that was the last one there because um, Andrew was talking about 1776. Uh, you played Edward Rutledge. Um, I played John Adams for six years in 1776 uh, at the Coca Village Playhouse, and then we started doing it at the King Center uh, once a year as part of the history curriculum. And I think the last time we did that was uh, 2010. So that that would be the last time I was actually on stage in a musical at all was 2010. Well, I, I can't compare to that, but I do have my tickets for Hamilton when it comes to Orlando. <laughs> in the spring. Then you're lucky. There's a long line for yeah. those. <laughs> when is it coming to Orlando? Uh, I, I I don't even know the dates. It's some. I think it's sometime. I think it's toward the end this, of the season. Yeah. Okay. Sometimes kind of a late spring, early summer. I think. So going full circle, actually, it's funny you mentioned Carousel because so we were supposed to do Carousel up at the Athens this past spring. And then when it opened on Broadway, the rights got pulled nationwide. But since they already had a an agreement with them, they just said, okay, we'll pick any other Rodgers and Hammerstein show. And so at 34 years old, when I thought I would never get to play it, I got to play one of my all-time dream roles of Curly in Oklahoma. Oh. And so oh, it's fun that we're actually that, yes. we're, that we'll actually yes, be doing yes. a couple of songs from that. So Mary and I will be doing People Will Say We're In Love. Love it. And Sean and I will be doing Oh, What a Beautiful Morning. So. Yeah. Probably the only time I get to revisit that role, so that'll be fun. <laughs> Great. And if I could go back a little and explain what I meant about the, the variety. Wonderful, wonderful uh, romantic duets. And then I'm singing Art is Calling for Me, <laughs> which is thoroughly campy. And then I'm singing Can't Help Loving That Man, which is jazzy. And then I'm singing If I Were a Bell, where the woman is roaring drunk. <laughs> I'm going to have a blast. I don't know about anybody else. I had, I just, I, I, you know, I, I did realize I'm just, I had visions of uh, Lucy Ricardo, uh, you know, <laughs> you know, trying try to perform opera, you know, at the, you know, half drunk at the, yeah, that sounds kind of, so I'm looking forward to that. <laughs> So I, I'm assuming you're not a method actor here. You'll just uh, actually put on a performance of uh, being half drunk. Hmm. Oh, I, of course. I, I say, yeah, a pensive look. Of course. Of course, yes. We have children listening. Right. <laughs> but on the serious side, I, I, I think this is going to be a good set of performances. By the way, because of the popularity, taking an unusual step, and we've already added a matinee on Saturday. So in addition to the traditional 7 o'clock uh, show in Brevard. We also have a 2 o'clock 
in the afternoon matinee that Saturday. So, uh, yeah, I don't always say this, although I, I I feel like I'm saying it often, but it's it's often true. Uh, there's a good chance that this concert's going to sell out. So. Uh, start thinking about, you know, w- would you like to come to the evening performance? If so, that'll probably sell out first. However, uh, I, I'm actually very happy that we're doing the matinee in Brevard uh, because oftentimes our uh, concerts that take place in uh, Vero Beach are matinees. They you know start around 3 o'clock in the afternoon. And I've had a lot of people in Vero Beach talk about how you know, maybe they don't like driving at night. Uh, it's easier for them to come to an afternoon show. And people in Brevard have asked often, you know, you know, why do we have to come out at night? You know, why don't you, why don't you do afternoon shows? So here is a good opportunity to to be part of a matinee, and that's on Saturday, the fifth of January, two o'clock, our traditional venue in Brevard, which is the Scott Center. Uh, and then in Vero Beach, we're at the Vero, Vero Beach Performing Arts that Sunday. Before we go, though, I will ask you, uh, Sean, we talked a little bit earlier about uh, you've got a couple of CDs, uh, and you've got a new one out, and I wanted to give you a chance to talk about uh, you know, what's new about this particular CD, what drove you to the particular set of uh, compilations. Um, well, this album is uh, it's, it's not classical, at all, it's it's actually a very dark, very depressing uh, rock and roll album. You've got my attention. Okay, <laughs> it's it's a it's a concept album, but you can kind of hear uh, the person, most likely me, completely losing his mind. Um, and then when it gets to the end, it's almost like I'm probably waking up on a psychiatrist's couch or something. So a method but, piece. I was gonna say, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it, it's it's a little dark. Um, uh, it was it was a very uh, unhappy time I was going through when I wrote it, but uh, it came out uh, back in April, uh, and I think it's available uh, Amazon, iTunes, uh, uh, digital format. And what's the name? It's called The Invisible Diamond. Okay. Well, welcome to Midnight Confessions <laughs> on Maestro's On Air. Anybody else? Uh, last minute things to talk about? <laughs> All right. Uh, well, the four of you have been lovely. Thank you for letting me come and uh, break up in your planning session. Uh, Amy, nice to meet you. The others, happy to have you back again. Hopefully, that uh, hopefully uh, we will be able to do uh, more shows like this where we'll have more of an ensemble instead of one or two performers, a uh, larger number of performers. Uh, which, again, one of the things I love about the symphony is we're all, always stretching the boundaries of how we define uh, the types of collaborations that we do and the types of musics that we do. So, uh, thanks for being here, and uh, we'll see you at the show. Thank you. All right, thank Looking you. Looking forward to it. Very interesting interview. Amy Cofield, Marianne Kruger, Sean Jessamon, Andrew Lejeune. Uh, you'll be able to hear them at the upcoming Broadway series during the weekend of January 5 and 6 of 2019. That is unbelievable. And you are a master interviewer. 
master interviewer. <laughs> Not only the well, president of the board, but a master interviewer. Right. If we would have been there, we would have been talking we about it up. Right. Talking yeah, about God yeah. knows what. Well, yeah. we we it, it it turned out pretty good. I, I, I kind of it was it was a soft start <laughs> because as I told you, it was a, I didn't have a chance to do a lot of research in advance. It was very much a spur of the one. Hey. Jeremy, actually, Aaron called me on the phone. Jeremy, got a rare opportunity. They're all going to be here. Do you want to come up here and do a quick interview? I basically I grabbed my stuff, came up, and you know, so you know, it took a little bit to get going on the interview. But once everybody was sitting and talking and comfortable, it turned out fascinating. I was Larry. Really Larry King has nothing on you. <laughs> well, I th except like four or five extra wives, but uh, yeah. give me time, you know, I'll right. catch up. You got to loosen them up and then you're ready to go. So. Uh, but, you know, actually earlier we were talking about the uh, jazz concert. We never did uh, talk about the one other concert that we had, which was the Lord of the Rings. Right. That was a wind ensemble concert, a very demanding concert. I think really... A great concert, and I think people really enjoyed it. Really great music, that well, concert. Uh, you know, I, I try to go to most of the concerts. This was not a concert that I went to, so I'm going to have to uh, rely upon you to pick the best example to pull out, and we'll play it now. What I'm thinking is like the um, first movement of the uh, title track of the concert, Lord of the Rings, uh, start with that. It's really very... Um, Cinem even though it's not from the movie, it was written before the movie. Very cinematic sounding um, piece with um, use of uh, light motifs. Uh, very, you know, Wagnerian. Yes, yes, yes. And it's um, really great piece of music. And I think uh, Wagnerian, our audience, huh? Blah 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 blah. <laughs> this, Jeremy, this, shall this I gotta hear. Jeremy, shall we? Yes. Lord of the Rings.
the title piece from the concert, The Lord of the Rings, performed by the Space Coast Symphony Orchestra in November of 2018. We are late in the year here in December. Yes. And we're also late in the show. We're running out of time, so we need to wrap it up here, guys. It's been a pleasure having you guys in the bunker today. Thanks for coming. It's been a pleasure here, too. It's always a pleasure to be in the bunker. Yes, it Uh, is. Before we get out of here, though, we should give the dates and details for the upcoming Broadway show. I say this often, but it is true, especially this time. The Broadway shows are always the most popular. Yes. And in fact, we have even gone so far as to add a second show of matinee in Melbourne. I fully expect both the matinee and the evening performance in Melbourne on the evening of the 5th is going to sell out. They are going to be sold out. Yes. So if you're interested, I would go onto the website, spacecoastsymphony.org. And order your tickets or call the box office. Yes, um, we've got uh, two shows on Saturday, January 5th in 2019 at 2 o'clock and 7 o'clock at the Scott Center at the Holy Trinity. And then uh, Sunday we have a matinee, Sunday, January 6th at 3 p.m. And that's going to be at the Emerson Center. And get there early at the Emerson Center. Parking is at a premium so all I can say is get your tickets now. I'm not trying to just like hype it. No, it, it's true. It's oh wait crazy. a second, wait. Let's that. It's hey, crazy you know, you, I, I didn't think to say anything about this before, but good thing that you mentioned that. Uh, not the Emerson Center, but if you come back to the Melbourne concerts at the Scott Center, uh, the last couple of concerts they've been doing construction, and in fact, <laughs> it took me an extra ten minutes to get there because I. Came by, I you know, the normal turn-in was blocked. I had to go past it, then I had to turn around. And so I don't know if the construction is going to be over uh, by I'm the time really of this sure. concert. Uh, it is temporary. They said it's only going to take a couple of months, and it's been a couple of months. So hopefully uh, it's going to be over by this concert. But if not, as you're, uh, if, if you're coming from the beachside in, be careful to look for if there's a turn-in. If that one is blocked... You got to turn in immediately after that to get in and do a quick UE to get in there. If you're coming from the, if you're coming from the uh, the west, uh, as you pass Wickham and it's another block or so past Wickham, be looking for a temporary sign on the right uh, where it says parking because you need to pull in earlier because if you go past that turn in that temporary turn in and you go to where you normally would turn in. If the construction is still going on, you got to go all the way out to uh, US one, turn, turn around. around, and come back, or you know, or don't listen to me and just factor an extra ten minutes in to figure out how to get in the parking. Right. Did you or get all that, Eric? Why? Did you get it? I've I'm been just down saying, this road. I'm just saying. <laughs> it's not my first rodeo, but you're right. The first time you're there, it's very confusing. Mm-hmm. Now, what I do is I usually do, go down. Wickham, and then turn at the first light and go in the back way. That's what I do now. I just fly in. Rather than making the illegal U-turn on uh, Pinita. I skydive in, actually, guys. (laughs) I do. I normally take the corporate helicopter. That's true. A lot of people don't know Space Coast Symphony has its own helicopter. Anyway, I don't do that anymore. That's overkill. I just skydive. Bill, it sounds like your medication has kicked in, so good time for us to wrap up the show. It's been great having all you guys here. Happy holidays, everybody, and until then, 
We'll, we'll see you at the show. This has been Maestros on Air, brought to you by the Space Coast Symphony Orchestra. Episodes are available at the iTunes Store or at maestrosonair.com. Maestros on Air is recorded at the Peak Velocity Studio in beautiful Brevard County on Central Florida's Atlantic Coast. For more information about the symphony or upcoming events, like us on Facebook. Or visit our webpage at spacecoastsymphony.org. Thanks for listening. And remember, as always, we'll see you at the show. A Peak Velocity production.